Hello, sexy nerds of the Nerd Imperium. Welcome to this week's episode of the Currently Nerdy Podcast. We are your inner conclave of nerdom. My name is Diz, and I am your pop culture and sports nerd. Ali? I am Ali, your classic nerd. And I'm V, I'm a comic book nerd. Okay, real quick. Ali, who won the NBA championship? Raptors. Okay. Who is one player on the Raptors? No idea. Come on. You can name one. No, I can't. I know Drake is a big fan of them. I mean, he's close. He was on there. He was cheering them on. He's like a cheerleader he's for them. He's there a lot. Yeah. I don't know who is, who's... Kawhi but, Leonard? There you go. I was going to say Kawhi, but I didn't know if that was an actual name or a nickname. Yeah. No, his name yeah, is Kawhi. Awesome too. Yeah. And the guy with the knee problems. They all uh, have knee problems. No, he had an ankle injury. <laughs> well, yeah. Whatever. Something like that. But yeah, he was injured all of last year. And he was on a different team. He was on the Spurs. Hmm. The Spurs are from... I'm asking you. San Antonio? Yes. Hey, it's Texas. Yeah. I knew this because my one of my professors is a big fan. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I was just in Texas this past weekend, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason I bring it up is this is the first time Canada has won the NBA Toronto, championship. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... I didn't know that Canada was part of the they, NBA. Well, they had two teams initially, right? Isn't NBA... I mean national? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they have the National Hockey League, and they have a whole bunch of teams in Canada. In there. Canada is, is hockey. Yeah. Well, hockey is Canada. It's one giant ice skating rink. Yeah, it's just what it is. Yeah, well, you have a team from... In fact, that's not. they don't do anything else but that. That's, yeah. That's their Quidditch. That and Tim Hortons. In the same way that Britain plays Quidditch, Canada <laughs> plays hockey. Yeah. No, uh, Canada had two teams. They had two expansion teams starting in... Uh, like 93, 94, whatever year Jurassic Park came out. Because that's why the Raptors got called the Raptors, because of the movie Jurassic Park. So that's a fun fact for you guys who didn't know that. And they had a team from Vancouver mm. um, that Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf played for, the Vancouver Grizzlies. You know who Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf is? No. He was the one who initially got um, kicked out of the NBA for protesting the national anthem. This is back in like 98, 99, so like... Back in the day, mm-hmm. he did the protest for a national anthem, and um, he got banned from the team, and then he was basically blackballed from the NBA, but it wasn't a, a big news story back then because we, there was no Twitter and shit there. What was his issue? Uh, same thing, police brutality. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So, like, he was, he was boycotting against police brutality, um, and they basically kicked him out of the league in his prime, and he was what steph curry was now he was considered like the steph curry of his time because he was like the best shooter in the league oh, so they er- they erased a black man from uh being able to uh, be successful in this in this world because they didn't agree with something the problem that he saw in society mm. yeah basically it's that's uh, you know that's such a 90s thing fellas. Yeah, very 90s yeah <laughs> uh, it's still going on now well, it's very America. Yeah, yeah. 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 Even though I'm the team was sh- not sure if it's just really limited to the 90s. Yeah, it's true. I guess no one saw my sarcastic face <laughs> when I said that. Yeah. But the team was in Canada, Vancouver Grizzlies at oh. the time. I didn't and, know about the Raptors. Yeah. I just knew that they were playing. Yeah, but I was rooting for the Raptors because uh, I figured it would make Donald Trump more pissed off if a Canadian team won the National Basketball uh, Championship. And I mean, The money still goes to America, though, doesn't it? I mean, No, the owners are Canadian. Oh, are they? So yeah, the money goes to Canada. I know that our, most of our friends are Golden State Warriors fans. Well, but we're Californians, right? So I guess it's... By most, you mean two. And the people I know that follow basketball. It was like the thing, like back in the day, it was the Lakers. 
So yeah, if you I mean, Cali- the Lakers still got a pretty hard. If you were in California, you were a Lakers fan. Yeah, because yeah. the other teams weren't particularly. There was a time where they were all kind of a joke, other than Lakers. No, right? the Kings I mean, were good. There was a rivalry between the Sacramento Kings uh, okay. and the LA Lakers. But now all the people who are Warriors fans now were Kings fans in like 2000, 2001. Yeah, I'm talking about you, Omar. Um, but like now that the Warriors are good, all the Kings fans are Warriors fans, and then the Lakers are gonna be good again this year. Hopefully, they just. Traded for remember that fight. Davis guy, yeah, Anthony the unibrow. You've seen him before, Mm-mm. the guy with the unibrow. Maybe he's on commercials. The guy with the unibrow. That's what, there's a lot of people I don't know. Well, his nickname is the brow. Like that's his marketing thing. Like yeah. he he uh, he won't shave his unibrow or get rid of his unibrow because it's a marketing thing. Same with James Harden. He won't get rid of his beard because it's a marketing thing. Right? Beard, you, be, you know that's uh, what was it? James James Harden's also problematic, isn't he? Don't don't people not like that guy? For uh, what reason? They don't like him because he f- he flops a lot. So like you'll touch him and he'll pretend like you hurt him, oh. and he'll throw the ball up and get a foul. I learned call. that from soccer, yeah, or football apparently. Yeah, mm. That's what he learned. But yeah, if you're any man of color and you have a beard, everyone always says, "Hey, you're like that James Harden fella." Mm. Unless you're Afghan, then the Afghan uncles say, "Hey, you know a James Harden." You look like that Harding guy. You know Harding? Mm. They're trying to be hip. Mm. They, yeah, but they add the G to the end yeah, of it? Yeah, Harding. Like Warren G. Harding. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can't pronounce Harden for some reason. No, there's, no, saw, yeah. there's no ending. Yeah, it doesn't but make sense. That's like the... Um, I always... Cause I, okay, so I grew up across the street from an Iranian family. Yeah. And, you know, um, their mom always... St- Started everything with eh, mm-hmm. like when you said when she said sticker, she's a sticker, right? Like yeah. I always kind of that's all Iranians do that. Really? Yeah. yeah, dudes and females. Yeah, no, it's it's a, so like I'll be at work. Um, excuse me, do you always speak a Persian? I'm like, no. The eh in front of a, yeah. of a s or the eh in front of some consonant very common. Yeah. I don't know what is a wrong with my phone. Really, does she say? Yeah. I mean, is it in front of everything, or is it just not in front of, everything. Certain in front of everything? Just certain words. I don't know what it. I don't know what the logic is. To be honest with you, like you're gonna have to ask a linguist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I just assume that because you're a professor and whatnot, no, not, somehow, I'm not of linguistics. I, I just assume no, that it was a catch-all. I have oh. no idea why they do it, but it, they do it, and some Afghans do it as well. Yeah, not a lot, but Afghans do it as well. So it's how the, do can you? It's the Persian accent. Yeah. Can you tell? Like an Afghan accent yes. versus oh, 100%. like 100%. Yes. Okay, because yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think I have enough ex- I have exposure to an Afghan accent. I don't have all that exposure. It's the same way. Could you tell the difference between a person who has an American accent and a British accent? Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Same thing. So it's the same thing for us. Cause it's same, like, word, same words, roughly. Yeah. Uh, some difference, but accent wise, very clear. Mm. So there's one like, like Afghan accent that's kind of hard to differentiate from the Iranian it's a accent. Regional accent. Yeah. So if you're from. Like Herat, and like you're from. And like, it's not. It's not like too different. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's not. I mean, it's not like they're so similar that you can't tell the difference. But it's closer. Yeah. It's like it's like someone from like South Africa and someone from England. Okay. You know? Like you just know it's foreign, but. Yeah. All right. So okay. So you know how we as Americans automatically when we hear a British accent assume that the person is intelligent. We do, <laughs> right? I mean, as most Americans tend to, right? Either intelligent or a villain. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Disney taught me. So, like, in in the whole in the in the whole library of quote unquote Middle Eastern accents, no. is there assume, like you don't assume the accents don't give a, a yeah. reputation of intelligence? There's other reputations involved, right? Like hmm. you assume you immediately assume everyone is 
Arab if you hear a slight Arab accent, yeah. even though there's a variation of Arabic accents and of course. regional differences and Egyptian is not the same as Levantine and whatnot. Yeah. So there's some assumptions and stereotypes, but no, I don't think none that are associated with intelligence. I think I've heard accents people, and intelligence. I I people say. talk kind of badly about the uh, the Egyptian, like the the, the language in the Egyptian. Egyptian speak. Arabic is not considered by uh, Arabian. We should say peninsula and the people yeah, from yeah. the Gulf, uh, as well as from people from the Levant, is not considered good Arabic. It's considered like dirty Arabic. Yeah, right? same same with like Moroccans who it's speak Arabic. Cons- even though the reality, however, is it's complete bullshit because Mashri uh, Arabic or the Egyptian or uh, Egyptian Arabic is now more popular than any other form of Arabic mm-hmm. because Arabic TV. So uh, Arabic yes, satellite yes. TV is really popular in the Gulf, and so Arabic, the Arabic accent is actually spread. But there is a bunch of elitist bullshit that you'll sometimes see amongst uh, some people, you know, name, namely people from the Gulf, oh. you know, Oman, Dubai, yeah, yeah. Saudi Arabia, and then some Levantine. You'll see some Lebanese and Palestinians go, that's not real Arabic. It is. Yeah. It's all Arabic. Yeah, yeah, well, the thing, the thing is, is they won't even consider them Arabs sometimes, right? Like, I've seen Saudis... Who like will talk to someone who's Egyptian? He's like, they're not Arab, they're African, they're, they're not well, the I mean, same. Of course, the, the, yeah. what actually is Arab, yeah. you know, it's certainly not what they think it is. As an ethnicity, it's an entirely made-up construct. That's yeah, yeah, really, no, that makes sense. Yeah, really, fundamentally emerges in the 10th, 11th century or so as a sort of way of creating cohesion retroactively. Yeah, the reality is that what we call Arabia was just a series of tribes, and ethnically, they have a lot in common with people in the Levant. Yeah. Uh, for much of pre-modern Middle East, Arabic simply meant someone who spoke the language. Mm-hmm. So ethnically, you could be Persian or whatnot, but still be Arabic. These kind of demarcations in the modern world are tied to nationalism, ethno-nationalism, yeah. all sorts of issues of supremacy that just don't make sense. That sounds like a head-on history thing that you might Total end up doing. Thing, um, yeah. you, you brought up a sign of intelligence for accents. I have noticed Iranians think that if you speak Farsi like or speak Dari... That you are less intelligent. I've never seen that. I've that. seen that. You haven't because you work in the academic field. Uh, the opposite. But for me, Persians, whenever they hear Afghan accent, they go, ah, yours is the original. Oh, no. They, they look, <laughs> suck it up to but, you. But, okay. always, there's always a... But is it, is it older Iranians that have been here for a long time? No, it's mixed. Some of them are like... Oh, when, so, I was, when I worked back in the day in retail, it was a lot of car salesmen people. So it was always a buttering up okay, technique. Like, about. If, yeah, yeah. if they've come from Iran in the past 10 years... Mm-hmm. Right, because there's been a migration of Afghans in Iran, oh, and they're the working class. They're not allowed to vote. They're not allowed to buy property. Yeah, Afghans in Iran are not treated particularly yeah, well. Treated, oh, yeah. So that's in why the they, same way that immigrants aren't treated well most you know, here, nation states yeah, oh, yeah. here elsewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a complicated mess. But mostly, accent wise, generally isn't associated with. Yeah. I'm just interested because I, you know I, the other I was uh, I was watching I was on Twitch the other day mm. and I was like watching some some people screaming Overwatch and some other game stuff and now you were the, a Twitch fan I didn't know that I, I go on Twitch on occasion because I have friends who and I want to support them so and also with my Prime membership I get a Twitch subscription which means that they make a little bit of money if I subscribe to them right mm. so I just use it how much you pay monthly for 
Twitch. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't do Twitch. I only have Twitch Prime, which is comes with my Prime membership. Oh. So I get What's to Prime? do Prime, Prime, like Amazon Prime. Oh, Amazon Prime is tied to Twitch. I didn't know this. Yeah, Amazon's tied to everything. That's true. All yeah. foods. So I have Twitch. a, I could have a Twitch account technically. Yeah, yeah. You have Twitch. If you have Amazon Prime, you have Twitch Prime. I don't know this. Yeah, you get one free subscription to someone, and they make a little bit of money when you subscribe. I don't know this. Ah. But like, so I was the other day. I was on there, and I noticed, and this is the interesting thing. Now it's like, yeah, you know, we're all visual and everything, but with things like gaming. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, audio, voice, right? People are ultimately talking to each other from all all the different corners of the world, mm. and you know, a lot of the times, especially with trolls, those accents become, you know, become almost weaponized mm-hmm. and shit talking, right? And, yeah. and being a troll and mm-hmm. stuff. I'm just so interested, like, to be to see how how that kind of changes, kind of the way accents are looked at over the next several years. Yeah, well, I mean, gaming we, and things in, like, you know, like I mean even in the United States accents are very clearly are in used as a sign of difference and education and intelligence. We assume as Americans that if someone has an accent mm-hmm. that they're dumb. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? We, even yeah. though the accents have nothing to do with intelligence or education or anything, but we do. We assume that they're yeah. either illiterate or they can't read or they're dumb or they're uneducated or something along those lines. Unless you have like one of those like New York posh accents, you know, like Stewie Griffin. That's not a New York posh yeah, accent. Stewie Griffin. Griffin. I said Griffin. Sorry. Yeah, you uh, added the G. The like Mid-Atlantic accent. Stewie yeah. Griffin's accent is actually British. Yeah. Well, it's like there's you know a, which one there's I'm a about, Mid-Atlantic right? accent, which is oh, you from mean like Boston. That, like, that Manhattan elite. Yeah. Like like the Vanderbilt. Yeah, yeah. that like one. The Vanderbilts and yeah. shit. That's because most of the Vanderbilts were educated in Europe. Hmm. Yeah, but like yeah, those those accents are seemed like you're smart. You know, I, I got, you know, a bad segue, but, you know, I brought up the gaming thing because I have been going on Twitch a lot lately because I've been trying to understand, you know, live streaming and stuff. Mm. My friends are getting into it. I have a friend of mine who's starting to monetize a little bit, right? And then I kind of ran into this interesting thing that I think you guys would also be interested in uh, talking about, uh, which is kind of esports contracts and how oppressive they could possibly be. Oh, yeah, how complicated and messy they are. Yeah, yeah, and this is coming up with, like, and this is interesting because recently we have this issue with this group called FaZe Clan, yeah. uh, which is kind of like, think of it like... They're like, huge. Yeah, they are huge, right? Yeah. Think of it like, it's almost like a weird conglomerate where it's like, apparently, like, you know, gamers are individuals, but they sign up with, like, you know, like a group, as it were, and the group ultimately is supposed to bring them prestige and bring them reputation. Mm-hmm. And eventually, it converts into monetary gain for both, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost like having an agent, you know, like a Hollywood, you know, when you're an actor, like having an agent, someone there that's yeah. going to go and find you jobs, and you they ultimately so take ten percent or whatever. If you're signed to like um, Endeavor, you know, like William yeah. Morris Endeavor, you're considered like, oh, he's a good actor. Or, so yeah, like, you're like under this umbrella yeah. that ultimately kind of goes and finds. You know, like sponsorship. Except the Face Clan didn't originally start off as no. a talent, as an agency. No, no. It's it's a more of a confederate of gamers. Yeah. Or a family of gamers that are loosely. It's become more formal now with contracts and whatnot, though. Yeah, but you know, it's like this is, and this is what I realized mm. too is now because there was a time. You know, in in our very recent history, where gaming was not a viable option for someone to be making money, or let alone no, be making being successful in, right? This is really a, the product of the two thousands. Yeah, absolutely. And it's I the think, past eighteen years. I think for you, I mean, being that you know you're you're a dirty socialist or whatever, yeah, believe that you know that you probably are looking at Marxist. the way. This, yeah, excuse me, that you're a dirty Marxist. 
that you you know you probably find some problematic issues with the way that this this uh, industry is developing. Yeah, without without a doubt. But before we go into, can you explain a little bit about what the controversy about Phase is, why it's in the news? Absolutely, of yeah. course. So so there's a guy who's a very talented Fortnite player named Turner Tenney, right? Yeah. Now he's 19 years old, real young guy. Sounds yeah. like his family may have owned slaves at one point, oh. Oh. you know. But like you know, it's you know, he's just he's he's like most gamers, mm. right? He's just a kind of this this. This innocuous white kid seems yeah. like a good, you know, well-natured <laughs> kid, right? Um, he's really good at Fortnite. That's all he does, right? So he signs on with FaZe Clan, right? Mm-hmm. And at the time, you know, he's not even 20 yet. He signs on. And, you know, he's he's getting sponsorships. He's making money. He's bringing prestige to his name. He's getting millions of Twitch followers. Oh, jeez. And, you know, now he's in this really, in you know, just really... Hard, bitter conflict mm-hmm. with Faze Clan over the fact that his contract—he wants to get out. Of, ultimately, wants to get mm-hmm. out of his contract. But mm-hmm. I think what's really what, what he's bringing to the table of why he should be leaving is because the contract itself is mm-hmm. considered kind of a draconian and actually against California law. Yeah. Um. And and you know uh, they uh, they released some of the percentages mm-hmm. in which he signed, and they were talking about how you know Faze Clan would take. Something like eighty percent of like of certain you know certain deals that he would get, he'd be required to play you know fifty Jeez. hours a week. You know there was um, so there's all sorts of these requirements and yeah. things he has to meet. So basically, if like there was a uh, you know I don't I don't know how true this is right, right. because this is as, as the my research basically mm-hmm. said. So if brand deals that were brought in by Phase Clan, Phase would take eighty percent. He would oh, get wow. twenty, right? Any yeah. in-game stickers and merchandise they would split. You know uh, if if. If he brought in, so if Tifu brought in, which is his name, his right. gamertag, Tifu brought in his own oh, I've heard this guy. brand deals, mm-hmm. he'd have to split it 50-50 so with FaZe. FaZe is making a lot, yeah. in other words. And is, is he signed as an employee of FaZe or as an independent contractor? You know, I, I'm assuming, yeah, I don't. I really don't know. Actually. Yeah, these yeah. contracts are complicated, who knows. But FaZe is also, but haven't they also got caught recently because of an issue like the signed a really young kid yeah he was apparently like 14 but turns out he's actually like 9 or something like so that they, and they lied um, about it so High Sky won okay um, so and this also kind of he's actually he's using it right. um, is using it against uh, as part of his, his uh, legal battle in this situation High Sky won you have to be 13 in order to have right. an account on Twitch, in order to have an account on um, Twitter, things of that sort, right? Now, High Sky One was not. He was, I think, 11, right, when mm-hmm. they had signed him. Jeez. Oh, um, and, you know, so the second that they found out that he wasn't of age and he lied about his age, they suspended his Twitter and they suspended but his Twitter. But knew or something, right? But that's the thing. It's like FaZe kind of, you know, according to the lawsuit anyway, according to Tifu, it's like FaZe came in and, like, kind of... Inflated the you know talk to the parents about oh well, you're gonna make all this money you're gonna mm-hmm. do all this stuff right and mm-hmm. uh, and then fundamentally though you know they're not saying well you know you're not technically allowed to be in this field yet right. now mind you he has a YouTube channel where he moved over to right okay. so so high sky one is Whereas now on YouTube. YouTube allows you to it be whatever age basically apparently right? well YouTube's a, a cesspool yeah. but I mean like, <laughs> when, 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 when Twitter when Twitter will allow you to do it but YouTube will, yeah. you know, Twitch and Twitter won't but yeah. oh man that's we'll go thing. into this later in the episode you guys already know what's you know, going like, on yeah. the thing that fascinates me about this is when we were growing up a career in gaming meant gaming development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So gaming involved some form of not just playing games, but developing and making games and whatnot. And it was very exclusive. Not a lot of people could get into it. You could develop the skills, computer programming, could do all yeah. game development, and you could still not make it as a gamer. It was such a very 
tight you know exclusive field and industry as gaming has exploded and become more mainstream and widespread um and as well as the the rise of i think social media and and whatnot competitive gaming has become a thing right now oh, competitive true. gaming Absolutely. have always existed right yeah. that when we, we remember back in the day even in the 90s there was land yeah. parties and competitive games or even, even like starcraft, uh, starcraft in Korea, right? there's yeah. all sorts of like unofficial and most of this competitive gaming actually comes out of east asia korea japan mm-hmm. in particular those two countries have really kind of added to it. And as I've always said, the nerd community, if the fashion community is always moving, uh, you know, in the other direction from Paris and London to, uh, you know, Vienna, etc., yeah. to New York, and then finally to L.A., right, works this way. The nerd community moves in the opposite direction. That's true, yeah. It always comes from Japan and Korea moving into the United States. So we see this with, with uh, competitive gaming. Competitive gaming has always existed, but now there's an explosion of it. The university I'm at, University of California, Irvine, uh, is famous for this. They actually have uh, e-game lounges. Yeah, they have an e-sports arena. They have an e-sports arena. And one of the places, like other places of pool halls and whatnot, we have an e-sports place where you can go and you can actually play uh, games. And and it's very, it's about a lot of money on it. I've I've never actually played, but I've poked my head and I went, oh, so this is where all the money goes. Well, you look at, I mean, you look at the, I mean, honestly, let's let's face it. You know, like if, if the industry can make money off of smashing someone yeah. in the face with a hammer, yeah. they would do it, right? Yeah, oh yeah, without, so, a, without, a, without a doubt. Yeah. And UCI is capitalizing, and then other yeah. universities as well. They, we, so we have esports on there, and in fact, there's conventions that happen at UCI of esports uh, yeah, yeah. You know where they're actually competing and making money, but also UCI happens to be the home of informatics and digital studies and digital anthropology and humanities. It's very famous for that. Uh-huh. So we do a lot of kind of interesting uh, some of the very famous kind of thinkers of anthropology and games and humanities and games, Barney Nardi, etc., uh, Gabriel Corm, all at UCI, um, and they do this type of work, like the anthropology, the ethnography of what it means when a dude plays a female character or mm, a female yeah. plays a dude character. The language. Of LARPing, all sorts of stuff. Very interesting stu- stuff. Really yeah. interesting stuff is coming out of UCI. I missed the boat by a couple years. You did. You missed an- Anthro, yeah. yeah. You missed it by a few years, but it's really big now. The thing that fascinates me, though, is that the way that they've been commercialized. Yeah. So originally, these compet- competitions started off as informal. Groups of people competing with one another. The oldest form of competitions in the U.S. were LAN parties, mm-hmm. right? These yeah, big old... No. No. Uh, when we were kids, before LAN was a thing... Like back in like the N sixty four days, we'd have like Madden tournaments. You go to each other's house. Yeah, five, yeah. But the but the biggest yeah. uh, everyone had to be in the same room. room. Yeah. That, that's the <laughs> land party, right? Yeah. So the land parties are kind of the the or, or origination, and then from there we started to see that they organized into sort of semi leagues, yeah. more official. And in some ways, we see this with uh, other kind of sports, lightsabers, etc. They start off small, and mm-hmm. they start off individual, and then they start to organize into kind of groups and coalitions, and mm-hmm. then that becomes you know uh, regions or. or you you know, they have, you know, various kind of organizations associated with them. And then the corporations get involved. Yeah, of course. The yeah. corporations start to sponsor things, right? We see this with other sports, too. Skateboarding is the exact same way, right? Skateboarding started off as a kind of individual rebellious thing, and then it's, they started to kind of organize amongst themselves. Then the outside people came in and they started to sponsor people. The result, then, is that the sport becomes super commercialized, super exploitative, and a lot of money gets made. These yeah. esports people, I mean, we talk about phasing them. They On Twitch, they make a lot of money. 
not just from Twitch, but from their sponsorships. Yeah, from, yeah. I mean, they're, they're raking in six figures plus. Well, that guy Ninja, who was like ranked the number one Fortnite player in the world, he got a fucking Samsung Galaxy like sponsorship. So like Samsung sponsored him. Yeah. He was all over the place. Like these guys are getting big mainstream. Yeah, yeah. Not, they're not getting small sponsorship. They're getting big sponsorships. Yeah. We're talking about like, you know, if Samsung is sponsoring you, that's huge. That's yeah. a lot of money that's coming in. And of course, that's. I think that also brings the problems in that you would see too. That probably be, this is this is kind of uncharted territory, right? But mm. I don't think it's that much different from you know like sports contracts that you'd probably talk about or anything yeah. else. There is this weird thing where I think. Uh, it's it's interesting because they talk about how a lot of these guys, you know, this is a young this once again this is a young kid's sport, right? Yeah. It's a you know you're 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 younger than twenty sometimes you know you're sixteen, yeah. right? And they have you signing these contracts that are yeah. twenty pages long by these high powered lawyers. That let's face it, you're not going to as a twenty year old. Who's you don't just know. got offered yeah, a right. position to do what you obsessed with yeah. and get paid for it? You're not going to necessarily sign. You know, you're not going to necessarily read the stipulations of the contract, right? And that's right. how you end up on one of those weird rooms with the black couch and shit. You know, in the corner. <laughs> you know. Well, this is the problem. The problem is, I didn't get that joke. I did. It's yeah, back. It's uh, it's I figured it was a. It was a joke for Diz. Okay. Yeah. I'm assuming it's something raunchy. Yeah, because you laughed and I assumed it was a joke, but I didn't. I didn't quite get it. Yeah. Anyways, the, what what's fascinating here is that you make a mention about sports here, right? And I think this is a really apt analogy. Sports contracts make the amount that they do not because of talent or skill. Don't get me wrong. Athletes mm-hmm. are very skilled and talented. And I think in the origination of the organization of leagues, right, in the same way, mm. it was fundamentally about skill. In the same way that you see with gamers, right? Gamers, there's no doubt that there's a great deal of skill involved with gaming. People think it's button bashing. I'm a button basher. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing when I'm playing games. Yeah, yeah. We played Mortal Kombat. You guys saw what I did, right? I don't yeah. know what I was doing. Yeah. It, it is what it is. But I know that gamers are actually talented and they're very skilled and they work at it, right? But I think what's happening is that we're seeing a value shift. At their origin, at their kind of inception, if you will, sports and the contracts are about skill and talent. Mm -hmm. But now they're about entertainment. Why else would a person who is playing games be making a six-figure contract? They're, they're inherently skilled. There's plenty of gamers that are skilled that don't have contracts. In the same way that there are now plenty of athletes that are particularly skilled but don't have contracts. But they aren't part of a league. They play college football and then they, they don't pursue it further or whatever, right? They play for mm-hmm. fun. What we're seeing here is that entertainment is what's valued first and foremost, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean that a person, an athlete who is entertaining will make more money than an athlete who's not entertaining, but rather the spectacle of the sports is what brings in the money. Why is the NFL as wealthy as it is? Because it's able to sell ads, because people are watching, right? That's the key. The spectacle component of it is the key. In other words, the the core component of culture industry, right? That is industry that is intimately tied to culture, entertainment, values, etc., is spectacle. Yeah, a few things you brought up with sports. So, NFL, right? You just brought that up. Uh, companies like uh, or the TV companies that sign the NFL to deals, like so, ESPN, ABC, NBC, and Fox and CBS, they all have these like multi hundreds of million dollar deals with the NFL for like you can broadcast the NFL for you know like. Three years, mm-hmm. but they're paying the NFL a hundred million dollars a year to do it. They actually lose money on that deal, right? 
but it gives them exposure for other shows so they could sell ads on there. Yeah, this um, is it's about about leveraging views. Yeah. Um, you brought up entertainment, right? The biggest entertainment agency in the world is William Morris Endeavors, right? W M E I N G. Right. Yeah. Um, I M G. Uh, they bought the UFC last year for, or not last year, year two years ago for four billion dollars, right? Now. They noticed the contracts of the fighters and how the UFC is making money because they got to take a look at the books. Mm-hmm. So the UFC has an an eighty twenty split between the fighters and the UFC. Mm-hmm. In most major sports, the split goes towards the players, or it's like an equal split between like the the NBA and the and the NBA Players Association. Mm-hmm. In the UFC, it's the other way around. The UFC makes eighty percent of the money. The fighters only make twenty percent of the money, even though they're doing all the work. Um, I looked up Hello exploitative. Yeah, I looked up Tifu's contract. Tifu isn't signed as an employee to FaZe Clan. He's signed as an independent contractor. Alright, so he gets no benefits either yeah. then. So okay. it's the same way these UFC fighters are signed. They're not signed mm-hmm. as employees to the UFC. They're signed as independent contractors, but in their contracts it says, you know, like if they signed a, the, the UFC signed a deal with Reebok, right? Mm-hmm. Before you could wear your own clothes and mm-hmm. get sponsorships that way. The UFC saw that there was money in that. Like, nope, we're taking that out. You have to wear the clothes that we have a sponsorship with, right? Mm-hmm. So the UFC makes more money on the Reebok clothing deal than the fighters do. The sponsorships on the, uh, the actual fucking mat itself, the UFC makes the money on that. Um, even when you're doing, like, media days, right? Before a fight, you have to do a few days of media and like press and all this stuff. You don't get paid for that. That's considered like your post-fight du- or your pre-fight duties to do, right? So they make you do all this work, and you sign in your contract that you have to do it. And it's weird because you're an independent contractor, but none of these people unionize, right? So there's, this is the problem, right? It's like so fundamentally because the amount of money that they can potentially make is so big, mm-hmm. right? From a UFC fighter to a sports athlete to to gamer right because the potential of money is so big they're willing to accept that a what is fundamentally a exploitative relationship right mm-hmm. between someone who's making way more money than you'll ever make yeah um and the amount of labor they own the kind of work that you do the skill that you own and not just that but they own you as a person you become a brand right yeah, yeah. which is why in turn brands are willing to invest in you samsung is willing to sponsor you because you're a brand right phase brought to you by samsung or tfue brought to you by samsung right you become a brand in of itself these type of relationships are not just exploitative right but they also bring about a a kind of harmful relationship in the sport itself what it fundamentally comes down to is entertainment engagement views above all else Mm -hmm. you as an individual no longer exist except in your capacity to entertain this relationship is the gladiatory relationship it's the relationship with gladiators right it's ultimately based out of this idea that you can be owned yeah yeah you can be owned you can claim to be an independent contractor you can be claim to be signed onto something but you are literally owned by something else you then have to have all these clauses and these things that you sign as a 20 year old first of all that's a, i don't begrudge them don't get me wrong yeah could you know they're making a living but 
you give a 20-year-old that amount of money that does something to them, right? There's a reason why these young kids are constantly in trouble. They have all these kind of problems because you've given them money without the sort of accountability. Two, you then own their life, especially when it comes to something like gaming or sports or whatnot. This isn't something that you can turn off, right? This type of relationship is one of the worst because retail is bad. It's exploitative, but it ends, Nine to five. Yeah. Your labor is owned. The product you produce is owned, etc. The ca- capitalism is sucked out. You're done. But you're done. Yeah. <laughs> right. Your leisure time is your leisure time. Mm-hmm. Now, Marxists, of course, have radical notions of leisure time. That is, all work should be na- controlled. You know, capital should be controlled nationally or by the people, so that leisure is the end goal. Yeah. Right. Whereas now we commercialize even our leisure. Right. Take this trip to Bahamas. Even our leisure is commercialized, right, and controlled by capitalism. But nowhere is this more evident in in the relationship between the gaming, gamer, athlete, and the contract. The gamer organizes his entire day around what? Gaming. The gaming. Yeah, yeah. His leisure time is spent gaming. In other words, you and I might play games to unwind yeah he plays games or she plays games to get paid mm. in other words their entire leisure moment the moment in which they're supposed to be free from capital is work that we all know how fucked up the the sleeping schedule of gamers are right yeah, yeah, why yeah. do you think that is do you think that's just an accident no. that's a product of that work relationship you wake up you down some red bulls you click live and suddenly you're on stage. Yeah. In other words, your entire life... And then the gamers don't just live stream games now. Then they have people who do live streaming their vlogs. And the gamers give a peek into their lives. And the gamers, oh, this is my girlfriend. Or this is my boyfriend. or this is So there's a lot more that goes into it that then becomes commercialized, commodified, mm-hmm. and sold and consumed by an audience. What happens is that the old relationship of the land party, which is radically egalitarian yeah. right everybody in the same room everybody on the same level becomes stratified commercialized into a hierarchy of twitch co- content creators and twitch consumers it's the same thing with the athlete the athlete's leisure time is spent what practicing practicing preparing yeah. or to healing preparing yeah. healing or going on whatever it is press tours or whatnot it's like everything is tied to that there isn't an actual moment of leisure in other words the logic that we see amongst these elites gaming elites sports elites athlete elites which we often look at quite enviously because of the shit ton of money that they make right mm-hmm. millions and millions of dollars is actually at its core the most destructive relationship in capitalism It is what capitalism would want to do to all of us if it weren't for the fact that labor unions and labor movements said, no, you can only work eight hours a day, you can have to have lunch. Those relations, those things that we worked hard at the grassroots level and then legislated and fought for, for regulations from Upton Sinclair's The Jungle to to the fires that were happening in factories, that stuff impacted us at the at this level right at the ordinary people level uh-huh. but at the elite level not yeah. so much so these people even though they're elites the money that they give that or that they receive is a sort of a smoke screen for the fact that their entire lives 
or owned by somebody else. Yeah, that's true. I mean, mind you, this this type of stuff is, you know, 100 years ago. It's not that long ago that this was an issue, right? Where yeah. you could be a 14-year-old working 16 hours a day and, and never having a break, yeah. right? The difference yeah. now is the level of wealth, right? Yeah. So one of the things that capitalism does really well is it convinces you through the giving of this thing called money that what you're doing is profitable to you. But at yeah. the end of the day, as hard as FaZe or Tfue or any athlete would ever work, they will never, never be as wealthy as the people they work for. Yeah, and I think that's also, uh, this is interesting because being that I'm kind of in the field of food blogging and kind of that online uh, foodie culture, there's a weird thing where we always kind of make a joke about how everyone talks about, well, we can't pay you anything, but we'll pay you an exposure. Yeah. Right? And that's always a big thing. And, always, yeah. You know, and they, they talk about this with Tifu's lawyers. Like, you know, if he brings in a $2 million deal, like, what gives FaZe Clan the right to take a million or more of it if he was the one that brought it in? Yeah. Outside of, you know, this. So it's an oppressive contract. And, you know, this is there's nothing new about this, right? I mean, I think you've already established that this mm-hmm. is, this is like, the cycle keeps going on, right? As a store, and you kind of understand this. But... This is also within this field of like online industry. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw this happen with YouTube also, right? With multi-channel networks. Yeah, very right? much. With so. these MCNs, right? Now, what these MCNs, they conceptually the same, right? Ultimately, they would take, let's say, 50 YouTube creators or whatever else, right? Mm-hmm. And they would essentially be like, well, we're going to put you under this umbrella, mm-hmm. which we're going to pay network. you a salary or whatever else, right? And you're going to create content. We're going to take it all in and we're going to, and then being that we're going to be so massive, we're going to ultimately bring you more exposure and more stuff. Yeah, it was always about exposure. Yeah. And the, the, they subtly did the exposure through collab. So you would collab within your MCN network, right? Yeah. Everyone would show up on everyone else's YouTube because collabing is the way to increase audience. You exponentially combine your audiences, right? Yeah. And, but originally, just like the gaming thing, they started off how? Right, just people organizing yeah. into the unofficial MCNs, and then they become commercialized and corporatized. So the issue with this is that MCNs, you know, they've kind of they've evolved from what we've seen them as, yeah. right? Because there was the, the Defy Media, or whatever it is mm-hmm. that ultimately um, that guy Padilla or what's it from Smosh, yeah, mm-hmm. right? Like they shut down, and Smosh Daniel ultimately, something. yeah, Smosh ultimately didn't. Like Anthony Padilla, yeah, yeah, Anthony. Like he didn't. He made no money off of that of Smosh because he was a part of this MCN, right? Mm-hmm. So he's all like, "Yeah, I made a salary from Defy, but I technically didn't make any. Like the money they were bringing in wasn't even close. Mm-hmm. Like the money that I was earning for the company wasn't even close to what I got right. for being part of Defy Media Group, right? right? And then you know, YouTube ultimately these MCNs evolved, and a lot of these creators now, while the concept still exists. Are going to go on? Why are we? Why are we even bothering with this middleman here? That's going to be taking the percentage of our money, of the stuff that we're bringing in, and they're really not giving out what you know. They're really not putting in what we expect them to. Well, now they yeah. just shifted to talent agencies, actual yeah. talent agencies, which are just as bad as MCNs, right? Yeah, they're yeah. fundamentally the same concept, but now even more behind the scenes, even more behind. So, like, whereas the MCN origin was at least YouTubers organizing within themselves, a problematic an issue, yeah. and all often kind of a weird pyramid scheme type thing going on there. Um, but now they're all talent agencies, and the MCN still exists. They're not gone. They just know not, not necessarily called yeah. MCN. You're now part of a talent family, right? So like, yeah, the language changed 
changes, but yeah. ultimately the concept it's I the think same is still thing. there. Same, right? And YouTube is now far more active in its in the, with its content creators yeah. than it's ever been before. Well, because we see Google, YouTube, all these other companies, right? They ultimately mm. they, they see the they see the money that's being so made the here. Fam, the parent right? family is Alphabet or something, right? Yeah, it's Alphabet. Some, it's, yeah, it's, it's Google, like but that, it's like yeah. Google's like you that manages YouTube. It's called Alphabet or something. Yeah. Like that. But there is a, you know, I think in and of itself, you know, we're seeing a lot of problems with things. You know, we talked about High Sky One and everything else, right? Uh -huh. Him not being able to have uh, a Twitch, a Twitch account or or a uh, or a Twitter account, but he's able to stream on YouTube. YouTube is a cesspool, right? Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like YouTube itself, you know, the the system in and of itself. We've talked about this before, more so Ali than anyone else. Uh -huh. But like we've talked about, kind of the issue with the people who run YouTube yeah. and the type of yeah. fucked up stuff that happens as a result of their monetization policies. Well, YouTube's had a, a really p negative press like few weeks um, going back to like May 30th. So I know you two know this guy, but for those who don't know, um, there's a journalist on Vox named Carlos Maza. Goes by Gay Wonk yeah, on Twitter. Gay, yeah, go, goes by Gay Wonk on Twitter. Um, he posted a tweet saying, you know, like, uh, so I have pretty thick skin when it comes to online harassment, but something has been really bothering me. And he said, since I started at work, start, since I started working at Vox, Stephen Crowder has been making video after video debunking strike through. Strike through is the name of his. Yeah, which is an actual really good series on YouTube by Vox. What it does is it breaks down the press and the media. It, it's a behind the scenes look and critique of journalism. Yeah. So. He goes, every single video has included repeated overt attacks on my sexual orientation and ethnicity. And then he went on and like showed like a montage or is that the right word I'm looking yeah, for? Yeah, yeah, montage. Yeah. So he shows a or montage a compilation. of Stephen Crowder just calling him a uh, lispy queer, yeah. a lispy angry sprite, gay Mexican. Hey, you gay Mexican on Vox, mm -hmm. you know, like Vox is lispy queer. Like, while wearing shirts that say like socialism is for fags, yeah, um, with the a asterisks out. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like he's been going off on this guy, and Mazda reported it to YouTube. So YouTube did an investigation, right? And first they were like, uh, it doesn't violate any YouTube policies because it clearly does. Yeah, because well, he's challenging you to a debate. It's it's a debate, so it's allowed, right? Mm. And then, Shut the fuck up. So <laughs> that's the response they gave Maza. Yeah. Maza went on Twitter, right? At the time, he only only had 100,000. He had 100,000 followers, right? But it spread. Like, people were, were spreading the message. People were, like, uh, tweeting at YouTube. So YouTube responded with, you know what? Because they got a lot of backlash. Like, we're going to demonetize his channel, right? That's not how political fucking channels make money. Political channels make money by selling the... A socialism is for fags shirt or you know getting mm -hmm. it's like speaking events like we'll pay you to come to our university that's true. That. well so, like milo still makes money despite the fact that he's been deplatformed right well milo is actually broke oh is he oh yes. i didn't know that. milo okay. is so deplatforming works the problem is that they're not deplatforming they're demonetizing okay, demonetizing so is still, i mean he's still getting exposure yeah. but he's yeah, not yeah. making money exposure this is the thing in yeah. in 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 the industry that we've talked about the culture industry is rooted in two things three things right spectacle 
and engagement are the main component. But the most important is attention. This is called the attention economy. Mm. If you can get attention, good or bad, plenty mm. of people get bad attention. Katie Hopkins, right? They literally just they just troll for for views and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can get bad attention, you're still getting attention. And then the in that type of economy, which engagement and spectacle are the end goal. That works. You don't need. You could be demonetized, but you're still getting attention. Mm. You're still getting views. You're still getting comments. You're still getting likes, etc. Well, that yeah, makes you're, sense. You're still peddling your merch. But the, the, yeah. an example of deplatforming actually working is Milo. Milo is bankrupt. He's selling off things now in order to make money, in order to survive. Even dinner with Milo is a thing now. You know, oh, if, you, shit. if you could fly him out and have dinner with him to pay him, like there's a whole. Oh. Like he <laughs> is. He is very much. Uh, an example of what happens when you do deplatform someone. Man, oh. it's so it's been going on for a few weeks, and people on the right are like, "Well, it's free speech." Blah 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 blah. We've already talked about free speech on the internet, right? And like how a company can tell you, "No, you can't say this stuff." But the way YouTube responded has been so terrible because they had a chance to show like that. This kind of speech will not fly on YouTube, but instead they were just like, well, no, at first they said, well, no, it's no big deal. And then once people started giving them shit for them saying it's not a big deal, then they took the fucking smallest action possible. You know, it just, it doesn't make any sense to me. I always feel like, I mean, this is, it's interesting because, you know, obviously YouTube, I mean, their ultimate, their their morality lies with the paycheck, right? Mm Mm-hmm. The money that they... It doesn't matter what it is, right? Technically, if it... I think if it was... If people didn't backlash against... You know, against certain things... You, like, YouTube would make... If, if it can make money off of beheading videos and, yeah. and not have backlash, it would. Like, that's the reality. That's the reality of capitalism, right? Well, they didn't give two shits about promoting fucking Logan Paul until it became a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think what's... what's What I think is a little messed up, though, and I think is this shitty double standard, is that they've also kind of done this... You know, you'll see this on Google and YouTube, too. You know, for Pride Month, they'll put the rainbow flag up, mm-hmm. do all these things. But they they have no problem putting Steven Crowder videos, you know, in, in the front, and the you know, on the on that part, too, because the, the algorithms or whatever they're doing is ultimately putting putting things out because they're popular well that's the issue right, right? so people often talk about how corporations are liberal or corporations are progressive or that they're anti-conservative and that's not true corporations talk like they are progressive but mm. operate as conservative yeah but which i mean that their algorithm is inclined towards one thing and one thing only Right, and that is more engagement, more attention, more sensationalization. And if you were the more insane you are, the more right wing you are, the more crazy you are, the more extreme you are, then you then capitalize the algorithm. In other words, you're almost hacking the algorithm by being that way. You get more attention. This Stephen Crowder thing is a prime example of this, right? Stephen, they only acted once there was. He's been reporting Stephen Crowder's videos and Stephen Crowder's videos for ages. It wasn't until they called him out publicly on Twitter that they even started an investigation. In other words, they know that something is going on. They're getting the reports that something is going on, but then they don't address it until they realize it reaches a certain critical mass. Then they address it in a way to ensure that they still make money. Here's the thing. Stephen Crowder is still going to bring in views. And so long as he gets views, 
they get money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure, they demonetize him, but they didn't deplatform him. In other words, with the message that they sent, despite all the rainbow flags and all the Pride Month tours and all the things that YouTube's done, is that at the end of the day, the algorithm is only interested in profit, and that profit is produced by sensationalism. It's produced by, uh, produced by uh, engagement. And as long as you have those things, it doesn't matter. I mean, we saw this recently. YouTube got caught doing something, and I'm not sure if I mentioned this on this podcast before, but its algorithm. Uh, what it had done is that if someone had watched something adult rated on YouTube, not porn, because we know porn doesn't exist on YouTube, right? But <laughs> but there there isn't porn on YouTube. But, yeah. but there is like soft I mean, core, yeah, like not officially. Yeah, there's no yeah, there's yeah. no real porn on YouTube. But there is like soft core or like yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. things that like adult ish. If you watched adult ish stuff, what ended up happening is that the algorithm in your recommended would start to curate videos. But the videos that it curated were of children. Uh, scantily dressed or nude, playing pool, playing in the pool, etc. What it, the algorithm had done is because it was interested in engagement. You're watching naughty things. Let me find naughty things. That it couldn't differentiate between home videos of kids. So like, what happened was like these like mom and dads in Brazil who had like taken home videos like six people had watched them in their yeah, family, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Of like their kid. You know, naked at the beach or something like that. That then suddenly ended up getting 40,000 views. What had happened was that YouTube's algorithm had curated all those home videos into literally a pedophilia playlist. Oh, it was literally just uh, underage children oh, that it occurred, and then, and then it just people who had been, would follow into this rabbit hole. There was this whole expose done about how YouTube radicalizes people, that it takes normal opinions. We've talked about this and made uh-huh. some serious. But now we saw that it was doing the same thing with paraphilias, that like people who were watching like foot fetish videos and stuff like that were suddenly watching children. Right, Ugh. so it would, because in the algorithm's mind, the only thing that matters is what engagement, yeah, yeah. engagement, engagement. This person likes this, so the algorithm isn't neutral, is what I'm trying to say. It's not that it goes, you like this thing, here's something else that you'll like. It goes, you like this thing, here's this even more crazy thing that you'll like because it needs to catch your attention, right? Yeah. You like feet. Well, let's watch children's feet. Like, so yeah. it's like, it, it, in other words, the algorithm is inclined towards extremism. Yeah. That's the key here. This is a, it's, that's why you watch one CNN clip. It doesn't go, here's another CNN clip. It goes, here's a video of a car crash. Live car crash. Oh, shit, I'm going to click on that. Oh, you really like this car crash? Look at this ISIS video of a beheading. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. It moves in, in extremist ways, right? The algorithm, because it is rooted in engagement, sensationalization, and attention, clicks, right, is extremist. This is the problem. In other words, we have incentivized extremism. That's the problem we're facing right now. YouTube cannot be fixed, in my opinion. It needs to be dismantled entirely it was a fun experiment it didn't work it's particularly frustrating because we've talked about the history of youtube it started off as a radically egalitarian queer space right Mm -hmm. a lot of lgbtq particularly bisexual trans people of color found small niche communities emo kids little small niche communities that they could build on themselves corporations got involved because they thought advertisement and suddenly you had the creation culture industry the creation of 
stratification youtubers versus the people who watch youtube content creators versus their consumers big fancy stratification here's the money thousands upon thousands and millions upon millions and billions of dollars here you go and youtube goes oh this is fantastic how do we ensure that this money keeps flowing we need to build a system that keeps more and more attention that's how it works. Corporations got involved in a radically egalitarian space is now turned into a tool of radicalization. Don't get me wrong. All social media is fucked up. Mm -hmm. Instagram will dull the senses. TikTok makes you into dumbass. Like, if you're a like, yeah, friend, yeah. I've told my students this. I go, friends don't let friends TikTok. TikTok, right? I don't wonder. It's literally, now it's like you're not even creating anything anymore. You're lip syncing shit, aren't you? Well, that's tic music. No, no. TikTok is basically Vine, Vine and musically combined. Vine. Yeah. But the problem with, with TikTok is, that, again, like YouTube, uh, it's rooted in uh, extremist humor, right? The more extreme you are, the more views you're going to get. And so what we end up seeing is a lot of the kind of right-wing talking points, women in kitchens, etc., starts off as you doing it ironically, right? Yeah. You joke about, oh, I'm a woman, I deserve to be in the kitchen. But it ends up platforming right-wing extremist talking that points. Yeah, that makes so, sense. for example, uh, just the other day I saw a TikTok. Um, where there's a song that goes... Duh, duh, down, 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 something or another, right? Mm -hmm. And the duh, duh, duh bit, the guy is just pointing duh, duh, down. But when it goes to down, 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 he moves his camera to show Down Syndrome kids on his, oh, that he had looked geez. up. Now, that's fucked up humor. That's not funny in any way, shape, or form, right? Yeah. But because it's offensive, it's extremist, you get the views for it, right? Like, yeah. oh, shit, look how it's edgy is this. Yeah. In other words, you incentivize edginess, right? TikTok does that. Twitter platforms Nazis. Facebook has completely broken our information ecosystem, right? You don't know what's true or what's fake anymore, right? So YouTube, it, it, it literally is a platform of radicalization. All these problems all stem from one fundamental issue, though. At the, as different as they are, it's capitalism. Uh -huh. It's the attention economy. How did you know that I was going to come to that? <laughs> so, I, mean, I was waiting for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So long as these things are rooted in the longer logic of engagement likes and an attention economy, they will continue to yeah. have these problems. So I think you should heed our warning here, friends, because it's important. You Eat watch this stuff, you end up bringing a gun to graduation and then shitting your pants at a party at that one girl. Yep. You know, you end up doing some weird, ridiculous crap. Look, you know, friends don't let friends TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. Friends don't let friends YouTube. Dismantle the social media. Eat the rich. Destroy yeah. capitalism. Eco-socialism is the only way forward. Yeah. Do yourself a favor, too, by the way. I just want to put this out here. You know, this is just a personal editorial from VTran. Here we go. Okay. I really firmly believe that our, you know, this, this whole line of understanding and all this right-wing thought would ultimately abolish itself in probably 30 or 40 years if you just learned to talk a little bit deeper with your voice, yeah, right? I said this to you the other day. Like, you understand all these right-wingers once you hear their voices. Yeah. It suddenly makes sense. You need to, you know, just and like, you know, the world. Go, down, just go down a couple of octaves, right? I remember because when I was like nine years old, I, I always had a relatively deep voice, but my voice, I spoke a little bit deeper because I just assumed that that was... You know, that was kind of a manlier way of doing things. And eventually I realized Look, that my voice is already deep. It's, it's, right? it's not, it's, you don't even have to lower your, your voice in any way, shape, or form. Just accept yourself for who you are. Yeah. If your voice is high-pitched, it's okay. You don't all have to have deep, velvety voices. But you don't need to take out your angst and anger and insecurity and your fragile masculinity on the rest of the world. That's the problem, is that they take it out on the rest of the world. But, you know, yeah. your, your voice is high-pitched, so you blame the immigrant. Yeah. Right? Like that's the, that's the issue. You don't think that all these nicotine commercials 
commercials that are anti-smoking are the reason why this right-wing bullshit is happening because people's voices aren't getting destroyed by the smoke anymore. Yeah. Mm, conspiracy. That's a conspiracy theory. You've been on Facebook for far too long. Well, you know, I mean, really, I, I feel like this is a lot. This is a line that we can follow because <laughs> there's. I think there's there's some evidence here that we can we can I connect think the, the dots. Evidence is. I agree. <laughs> Give cigarettes to kids. I think the evidence is. Dismantle all these fucking social media tools. That's right. Dismantle all of it, right? But Dis- I don't think we yeah. will. I mean, I mean, my maybe MySpace is no longer a thing, but something else. Yeah, but it's it. because something came in and can we that imagine void, right? the like, world without YouTube? Is what I'm trying to say. Absolutely not. No, YouTube's doing TV now. It's they become have, ubiquitous, right? Like, I there's no way it, of but like. We need to. If yeah. if we're going to survive, YouTube needs to die. That's like that's like saying, can we imagine a world without without smartphones or cell phones? Now, right? I don't think that's something that can that's yeah. going to happen. Yeah, you can't. Once, I want to see a world without YouTube. We remember a time. Happen. We remember a time when it was right. But I also I was a question though. Like you know, what if serial killers? You know, John Wayne Gacy. These guys. What if they had a platform like this though? Like what? What would be the ultimate? What would happen? Like if they had if they had these communities, mm-hmm. right? Would you end up murdering, becoming a serial? Like are there are there reasons? Being part of like, an online community doesn't. It de-radicalizes the problem. Is yeah. it, it radicalizes. It people. radicalizes people. So, like, the John Wayne Gacy's of the world are being made because they're finding other John Wayne Gacy's like themselves. Mm. So these shooters that go out and shoot, they do so because their friends on those medias, namely 4chan, etc., tell them, go forth and have a high kill count. Get a high score. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. In, in other words, shot the, in Texas. the problem is that they, you're not creating healthy communities. That's the issue. The problem is that everyone originally thought because social media is about connections that you would make connections and it would overcome alienation. And certainly I think that's the case with some people, right? Uh That they have found the communities where they have a sense of belonging. All of capitalism makes you feel alienated, right? That's what modern society is. You feel alienated, disconnected, lonelier than you've ever been before, right? So now for some people, you find that online. But for most people, you go and search for the community that enables, enacts, and fosters even more of that frustration. You don't go out and go, okay, now I feel fulfilled. That's what happens, right? It's not mm. like, I mean, you surround yourself, in other words, with yes men. These aren't supportive and healthy communities. Some are. Most are enabling communities. That's the problem of the of the infoglot that I've mentioned in previous yeah, podcasts. Yeah. Because it's too wide, too open, and too everything goes... Right? There's yeah. no there's no actual sorting process. and There's no filtering process. Instead, what you do is you go, I'm only going to search the things that interest me. I'm only going to search the people that interest me. I'm going to only go to the people who, ex- who won't go, holy shit, don't make that Holocaust joke. But yeah, instead yeah, go, yeah, yeah. Raffle or Lameo, right? Because you said a Holocaust joke. That's what ends up happening. That is true. Twisted I, I understand true. it. So do, you know, maybe do yourself a favor. Tone back on the social media. Go and have coffee with some friends. There's actually a actual study that shows that people are happier and less lonely when they spend more time disconnecting from social media. That is true because I'm on Instagram a lot, you know, doing my my sandwich slayer stuff, right? And I am depressed as shit. You see all those those handsome people with abs? Yeah, I'm telling you this right am I am totally upset and that's me looking at food all the time. Yeah, no, I've noticed that. Like, like in the past... When I was struggling with depression, like, hard, I was on social media all the time, and I got better once I stopped using social media as much. You Social media breaks are healthy for you. Take more of them, yeah. take them frequently, spend whole periods of days, days that you don't go 
you know, that you just don't log on to any social media, YouTube, etc. And then, one, that'll hurt the, the corporations and all for that, right? Yeah, yeah. But the whole day is going But also set aside time. Be like, you know what? From, from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m., I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it before I go to bed. I'm not going to do it before I close my eyes. I'm not going to do it when I'm bored. Find something else to do. I'm not anti-social media. I have Twitter. I have Instagram. I log on to Facebook once a year, right? but I haven't, right? Look, I'm not anti it, but if you if you, we disconnect it from our lives, stop letting another tool of capitalism become ingrained into our recreation time. Yes, play video games right? instead. Go do something else. Pick up a book. Go for a fucking walk. Or you know what? Be bored. Yeah. I love the idea of boredom. Boredom is so healthy for you. Fucking Ali. We turn it, we turn the, it to our parents. The, the book is boredom is so good for you. They say boredom is where all creativity comes from. You know what's dying? Yeah. Is the doodle, yeah? Because we we scroll, but when we were bored, what did we do? We doodled. Yeah, I'm a serial doodler. Right? Doodling is so My good doodles for you. Suck. They're, They're so horns. good yeah. for you. It like that shit. That like true. that's where you come up yeah. with your ideas. That's a George Carlin bit. Actually, it's like every kid should have at least three hours of daydreaming a day. Yeah, where they just you at school, you just sit them aside, and you let them let daydream. Let them daydream. Right? Let them. But yeah, disconnect these. I swear to God, if I ever have kids. Yeah, I, I can't even poop without my phone in the bathroom. No, look, don't take your phone to the bathroom. Yeah. Try to don't, take your phone in the bathroom. Don't do, too. don't do it. I don't, I don't use it when my pants are down. No, really? Don't, yeah, I don't. Don't. How uh, do you entertain yourself? I mean, I, you know, I, re- I do, I do the '90s thing. I read the back of the bottles. Uh-huh. Yeah. Don't <laughs> use this thing before bed, and you don't use it for boredom. I'm not gonna have let my kids have these things. Cell phones. Till the uh, smartphones until they're like. Much older. Yeah, That's smart. Yeah, yeah. I don't give a shit. Festus doesn't have one. In we're gonna be we're gonna be called backwards or whatever parochial, but I'm okay with that because yeah, no one's call you parochial. Yeah, no one's gonna. I mean, no one's gonna know what that means. Give a 13 year old a smartphone. What kind of fun does Festus have now? Stupid as hell. Anyways, <laughs> that's it for that's it for us this uh, episode. Now in a shameless, in a shameless ironic twist or shameless hypocritical twist you can get in contact with us by social media and this will let you know how you oh, can yes. do so the social media Ali doesn't want you to reach us at Facebook don't Facebook. use this during certain times yeah. facebook.com slash currently nerdy don't message us on there we're on Twitter don't at us at Twitter it's currently nerdy on Twitter Instagram how dare you like our photos at currently nerdy on Instagram Tumblr I don't know what people on Tumblr do nowadays there's no more porn on there um, but we're currently currentlynerdy.tumblr.com um we're on YouTube. Don't watch our videos on YouTube, but it's youtube.com slash currently nerdy. The last video uh, we put up is how Game of Thrones should have ended. It's a great video. Uh, you definitely shouldn't watch it. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us individually, you can. But before you get a hold of us individually, you should check us out on uh, Google Play, Stitcher, and the iTunes podcast app. It's currently nerdy on there. You, that's how you're probably listening to us now. But if you're listening to us on there now and you haven't given us a five-star rating or a review... And, you know, you're not really a great fan. But if you want to get a hold wow. of us individually, you can. V, how can I get a hold of you? Listen, find me on Instagram and on uh, Twitter at VTRAN214. That's V-Y-T-R-A-N-214. I really don't post on those. But if you really want to support me, right, I want you to be depressed on my food Instagram, which is the Sandwich Slayer. Ultimately, I want you to click on the link, thesandwichslayer.com. Help me out here. It's just, you know, you're already depressed. You might as well be a little bit depressed for another five minutes and click on those links instead. Oh, Jesus. What a ringing endorsement. You can catch me on my social media, Twitter and Instagram, hypocritically, A-A-O-L-O-M-I, um, as well as uh, my website, aliolomi.com, or on our sister podcast, Head on History, which will be returning shortly with its next season. Diz. 
my Pornhub account is Dizbulla, D-I-Z-B-U-L-L-A-H. That's not social media. That's a, that's a porn stream. It's social media like YouTube is social media. It is social media. Oh, accounts. Okay. Well, everywhere at Dizbulla, D-I-Z-B-U-L-L-A-H. For everyone here at Currently Nerdy, thank you for tuning in. And remember, stay smart, sexy nerds. All hail the Currently Nerdy. Empire.